0: Why is it there? I mean, we always use it, we always, you know, that's the passage that, you know, when you're l- looking in Hebrews, that's kind of the chapter that you look at and you kind of enjoy that and you, you know, boy, this is, this is great. I enjoy all of these uh, so-called hall of faith individuals. Um, but why is it there? What's the purpose in the book of Hebrews? And the way we're going to have to answer that question is to ask who are the Hebrews? To whom was this book written? Who are the people to whom it was written? And these individuals were Jewish Christians in the first century who had left Judaism and who were now um, coming under increasing persecution. The writer says here that uh, they had not yet resisted to blood, but evidently it was getting close. It was getting difficult. They were facing uh, increasing difficulties as, as being believers in Christ and of having left the Judaism to follow The despised Nazarene. And as they were doing that, um, some of them had gone back. And the writer here is warning, we'll talk more about this tonight in chapter 12, The Dangers of Apostasy. But he is warning these people that to go back and to apostatize from Christ is to be eternally damned. And that was the danger that these individuals were facing. And so the question becomes how
1: does one keep going?
0: And the answer is. faith. So we want to look this morning at two thoughts. Number one, what is faith? We're going to look at faith defined. And number two, we're going to look at faith tested. And we're going to really be looking in verses 35 and 36, uh, but we want to start in chapter 11, verse 1. And before we do so, we're going to have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this time. And thank you, Father, for the opportunity that we have to uh, be here together To worship you. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and grace to us. We pray for this church. We pray for decisions that they're making concerning the land here next door. We pray that you would be guiding them and directing them, Father, that they would have your will. And we pray, Father, that you would be leading us now as we consider this portion of your word. Teach us. Give me wisdom to speak. Give me clarity. Give me uh, a freedom, Father, to speak your word. And I pray for each of us, Father, to be careful to hear what you have to say to us. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Look uh, with me here, and I'm just going to um, pick a couple of verses here as we look at it, and then we want to try to make a definition of faith based on this. Look in verse uh, seven. We're just going to pick three verses, and and I'm going to try to, to do this with you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse seven, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith, Noah built an ark. Look in verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, that he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. By faith, Abraham offered up Isaac. Verse 29 by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned by faith they passed through the Red Sea if we were to compare this we won't take the time and and do it but if we were to go to James chapter 2 and verses 14 to 17 we would find that faith without works is dead being alone and that faith cannot save and so in taking these passages and looking at these passages together I've, I've brought a definition of faith that I've, I've used in, in South Africa and I think is, is, is biblically represented, that faith is taking God at his word and acting upon it. That's faith. Taking God at his word and acting upon it. Now, the reason I use that particular definition is that I think it combats two modern-day errors in the relationship to this word faith. The first, first error is the confusion of faith and feelings. Uh, many, many groups, many, many people confuse the idea of faith with feelings. Um, you've heard of individuals who have said, if I believe hard enough, I can get something. Okay, I, 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 I'm I going to believe really, 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 really hard that I'm going to get a million dollars and, uh, you know, I'll get my million dollars. And that's not faith. Why? Because it's not based upon the word of God. There's nothing in the Bible that promises you that you will be healthy, wealthy, and wise. There's just not. There's just nothing there. And so it is. It is a what we would call the power of positive thinking. And you know, sometimes the power of positive thinking works. Did you know that? Did anybody watch the NCAA double the NCAA tournament here recently? You ever watch those guys with? Three seconds, 3.2 seconds left on the clock, and the game is tied, and they've got to shoot a foul shot. You know what would happen if I shot that foul shot? I'd be lucky to hit the backboard. Why? Because I'd go up there and think, I can't make this. I am scared to death. There's 50 trillion people watching me, and I'm scared to death I'm going to miss. And those guys go up there, right through. How do they do that? They convince themselves that they're going to make it. They look at that situation, they say, I've shot this shot a thousand times and I've made it, I'm going to make it again. And the power of positive thinking works many times, but it's not faith because it's not taking God at his word. A similar error that is, is, is used today is where, and you've heard this, somebody will say, I believe God is leading me to do such and such. Now, God does lead us to do such and such, right? But if
1: you fill in that blank with divorce my spouse or something else that's unbiblical, it's not faith.
0: Why not? Because it is certainly not based upon the word of God. It's not faith. You may have a feeling, you may think, if I could just get out of this relationship, I would be so much more comfortable. I mean, can you You know what that guy or that lady does to me? But It's not faith. Not if it's not based upon the word of God, you see. And a second error that is also used today is that um, faith is mere head knowledge. It's merely knowing truth. Now, if that were the case, I was saved since I was born, or virtually since that point, because I knew the truth that Christ died on the cross for my sins was buried and rose again since I can remember. But I wasn't saved until I was 15. Faith is taking God at his word and acting upon it. Faith is trusting Christ. Faith is, is, is casting yourself upon the grace of Christ, upon the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, not merely, yes, I know that. Now, here, if you look in chapter 11, verse 1 with me, and we will just briefly talk about verse 1, and then I want to move to our our main passage in verses 35 and 36, you'll notice that the writer here, eventually I'm going to say Paul, even though I don't actually believe that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, but I am eventually going to say that. Um, The writer of Hebrews says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I just want to look at this verse because here's the biblical definition of faith. I gave you my definition of faith. Here's the biblical definition of faith. It says, it is the substance of things hoped for. And this word substance is a Greek word from which the word foundation comes from. It has the thought of something that is set under something else for support. So a foundation is something that you, you build upon. It's, it's, it's something that is, that is solid. You were talking about the, uh, Scott was talking about the, um, the, 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 the foundation over here that was solid in the, in the, in the house. Okay, It's something that if your foundation isn't solid, it doesn't matter how good the house looks above it, it's going to collapse. Uh, it, it, It also is used in the sense of a title deed, something which gives you confidence of ownership. If you have a title deed to this property over here and somebody sues and says, we don't believe you own it and you have confidence because of the title deed that you have. And that's the picture of faith. Faith gives us confidence. It gives us confidence in the things hoped for. Now, what's hope? What is hope? Hope is, hope is something that, how can I say this? Hope is something that is as good as the object in which you are hoping. Now, I have a confession. I'm from Baltimore, okay? Every year at this time of the year, I hope that the Orioles will do something other than lose. Okay, I, we, were, we were thrilled. We were, we, were, we were throwing a party this week because the Orioles only lost by three games by three runs. I mean, we did well this week, okay? My hope isn't very well placed, you see. I, 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 I can hope against hope that the Orioles will win the World Series this year, But really, the truth of the matter is, I'll be just happy if they're still even close to the pennant race by the all-star break. Okay?
1: But hope in something that's solid can't let you down.
0: I want you to turn to the book of Titus. Titus chapter
1: 1. and notice in verse 1 Titus 1 verse 1 Paul a
0: servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness now here's our word hope in hope of eternal life do you have hope in eternal life well notice what your hope is built upon in hope of eternal life which God that
1: what cannot Lie. Now your hope's pretty solid. Do you see that?
0: Your hope's solid. Why? Because it's based upon a promise from a God who cannot lie. And the fact that he cannot lie means that he cannot deceive you. He cannot tell you one thing that's not going to happen. What God says will come to pass. And consequently, if God promises you eternal life, he's going to deliver. Not only that, by the way, but the God who cannot lie is also the God who cannot fail. God can't plan something that won't come to pass. And so your hope is absolutely certain to the point that we usually define hope as confident expectation. I'm confident. Why? Because I'm not rooting for the Orioles. I'm trusting in God who can't lie
1: and who can't fail. Now go back to Hebrews. And he says that faith is the confidence, it is
0: the, the foundation, it is the uh, title deed of things hoped for. It is the absolute certainty that the things that God has promised, that we are going to reign and live with Christ forever, that, we are, that, that, that he will never leave us nor forsake us, all of the promises of the, of the scriptures that have been given to us, It is the absolute certainty that these things will come to pass. And then he says it's the evidence of things not seen. Evidence in the Bible means that which proves something. It is is that which is is what we would call forensic evidence. It It is a picture of that which brings about the certainty or brings about a conviction. Now, it's used in the Gospel of John chapter 8 when Jesus says, is there anyone here who can convict me of sin, that can prove me wrong, that can prove sin in me? And the picture here is that the the believer says, I have absolute certainty, I have absolute proof of the veracity of God. I have absolute certainty of things I can't see. How many of you have ever seen God?
1: Well, isn't it kind of silly for you to believe in God then? How many of you have seen the wind? Do you believe in it? Yeah, why? You've seen its evidence.
0: Let me give you a scientific study here. See this pen? The
1: last time I did this I dropped it and I couldn't find it. again. What happens if I let go of this? Why? How many of you know what gravity is? Well, you know it from a scientific discovery, but why does it occur? No one knows. You discover why it occurs, and you will win the Nobel Peace Prize.
0: Okay? No scientist can explain it, yet we believe it. Why? Because we see the evidence. And faith says, I see the evidence of God. Oh, you can explain it through evolutionary processes, or you can explain it through other things, but in the bottom line, the final analysis, is I say, I believe it because I can see God working. I can see the wind. I can see the the trees blowing. I believe in the evidence. No, I've never seen God. No, I've never seen these things come. Have I ever, ever seen heaven? No but I believe it because I have a God who's given me plenty of evidence to believe it. It's the evidence of things not seen. Now skip down with me to verse 35, and I want to move to our second point and really the application here of of this thought. All right, we've defined faith. Great, faith is taking God at his word and acting upon it. And now I want to ask this question, and this is where the rubber meets the
1: road. Are we men and women of faith? Are we individuals that take God at his word and act upon it?
0: Or are we like the Hebrew Christians that we're starting to say, you know, this is getting too tough.
1: I don't know whether I want to continue walking by faith in God. He says in verse 35 women received their dead,
0: raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Is that your definition of faith? Now, I like the first part of Hebrews 11, don't you? They were delivered from the mouths of lions. They were, they were, they were rescued. They put to flight the, 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 the enemies, the alien enemies. I mean, isn't that what you think of when you think of faith? Don't you think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking into the, up to Nebuchadnezzar as 17-year-old or 18-year-old young people and saying, I don't care, Nebuchadnezzar, what you do to me? My God's able to deliver, and I don't really care if you throw me into that burning, fiery furnace. And then watching God deliver them in a miraculous way, in a miraculous uh, display of his his power. Isn't that
1: what what we like to think of when we think of faith?
0: Do we think of Isaiah, who was sawn in two? Because he wouldn't
1: give in to what people were demanding of him. Is that faith also? I want you to turn in the book of First Kings with me to chapter 21. 1 Kings chapter 21. And we'll be looking in verse 1. 1 Kings 21, verse 1. Came to pass after these things
0: that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel hard by the palace. In other words, next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard. That I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. Does that sound like a fair I mean Ahab we, we you know we we talk about Ahab, Ahab was a wicked man, but does this sound like a fair deal to you? Sure, good deal. Would you take it? Depends on whether you're a Jew or not. Depends on whether you're a follower of Jehovah or not. Because you might take this deal as an American because it sounds like a good deal to us, but you see there's a passage in Leviticus 25, 23 that says, the land shall not be sold forever. The land is mine for you were strangers and sojourners with me. You see the commandment in Leviticus is you don't sell your land. Now watch what Naboth says in verse three. And Naboth said to Ahab, now, you've gotta, you, you, when you read the Old Testament, you have got to read it as a Hebrew would read it, as a Jew would read it. We see the Lord there and we, we, we kind of take that as a generalized statement. But what is the Hebrew word there for the Lord? Jehovah. And you know that because all of the letters are capitalized in your, in your English Bible. And he says, the Lord, Jehovah forbid it. Now, who was, who was Ahab a follower of? Who's God? Who was the God of Ahab? Baal. He was the God of Ahab. Ahab,
1: Jezebel, they worship Baal. Who does Naboth worship? Apparently the Lord, Jehovah. And
0: Naboth said to Ahab, Jehovah forbid me, or forbid it of me, that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. Now Naboth's not just being sentimental here. You know, we don't want the house torn down because there's sentimental value to it.
1: That's not what Naboth's doing. He's saying, God forbids it. So is Naboth a man of faith?
0: Yes, he's taking God at his word, and he's acting upon it. He's a man of faith. And we read down through this story, and what do we find? That, 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 that Ahab took him, threw him into a den of lions, and God miraculously shut the mouth of the lions, right? Did I misread something? Oh, well, he threw him into a fiery furnace, and God walked around the fiery furnace with him and delivered him, and, they, and, the, and the smell of the fire didn't
1: even stay on his clothes. What happened to Naboth? They stoned him.
0: And he died. And if you read the rest of the story, it apparently they stoned his kids too.
1: And they died. What did Naboth's faith get him? Death. Okay, it got him heaven good. But it got him dead. Do we think of faith that way? Do we think of faith
0: as taking God at his word when things are tough and when it will cost us to do so. Because that's biblical faith. You see, biblical faith isn't just seeing God work in some miraculous way. It's lovely when he does. I love it when I watch God work through me or in me and see a great deliverance of some sort in in its context. That's fun. But that's not the only time there's faith. Faith is when you take God at his word and it costs you, but you act upon it anyway. And that's biblical faith. Now go
1: back to Hebrews with me. Let's put this in its context. And when you look at verse 33, he says, who through faith
0: subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire. All, you, know, you can think back into the Old Testament and think about these instances where these things took place. Escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in, in, fl- in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. What a wonderful deliverance. What a beautiful thing. What a glorious truth. What, and, and it's fun when those things happen. But they don't always happen.
1: Sometimes God lets us get stoned. And we die. And so he says, um, and
0: others, and mark that word, that's the transition, and others, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. This is an interesting, an interesting picture that we we need to see in this particular particular verse, this concept of not accepting deliverance means that they wouldn't, that word deliverance is the word that is normally translated redeemed. The, 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 The purchase by the payment of a price. These individuals could have accepted deliverance. They could have said, you know what? All I have to do is to say, I won't follow Jehovah. All Naboth had to do was to say, Fine, um, here's the property. I'm kind of scared of Jezebel. I think I'll just sell you the property. I'll go out and have another
1: property and I'll worship the Lord on that property. That's all he had to say. He could have accepted deliverance, you see? He could have accepted deliverance but the price was too much to pay. He could have accepted redemption, but the price was too much. He wouldn't accept it. And so it says, others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they
0: might obtain a better resurrection. Better than what? Now think
1: here with me. Think about this with me for a second. A better resurrection. Better than what? Context, context, context. Better than what? Better vineyard, better... I can't hear. Look at the beginning of the verse 35. Women received their
0: dead raised to life again do you think that would maybe be like kind of the ultimate miracle how many of you have buried somebody that you love how many of you would have liked it if jesus could have walked up to that casket touched it
1: and raised that person from the dead wouldn't that be the ultimate miracle
0: this says that these who did not accept deliverance
1: received a better resurrection. Why? Because, you know what? I mean, it doesn't say this
0: per se in the the scriptures, but as far as I understand it, Lazarus, the widow's son, Jairus' daughter, all those other people that, that were raised miraculously from the dead had to die again
1: they had to die again. They had to go through death twice. People had to mourn for them twice.
0: You know, the physical deliverances that we receive, they're temporary. If you get cured of cancer, you're going to die anyway. You know, I mean, I don't mean to be morbid here, but it's true.
1: (laughs) Die. Someday, they're going to be mourning us. But the resurrection that's spoken of here
0: is a, resurrection, is a resurrection not back to this life, but it's a resurrection like our Lord's resurrection forward
1: into glory. Right? Isn't that a far better resurrection? You see? It, as the song says, will be worth it all. Indeed. Indeed. Now,
0: let's bring this into its, into its, into its context here and, 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 and draw some applications to ourselves. Not everyone is going to be delivered from the sword or fire or lions. Some of us may be called upon to suffer greatly for our faith. In fact, isn't that what the New Testament teaches us? I want you to turn to the book of Acts. Not only is the concept of the health and wealth gospel not true, it's false. Not only does God not promise those things to us, but he promises us the opposite. Uh, Acts chapter 4, and notice with me in verse 22. I'm going to do this pretty quickly. I want to go to several passages just to show you that the, this concept of, of that God has promised all of us you know, a great physical life is just absolute baloney. Acts 14:22, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that we must, through what? How many of you I'm, I'm getting silence here. Nobody wants to read that passage. Why not?
1: That through much tribulation, we'll enter the kingdom of God. Anybody going to sign up? Hmm,
0: I don't like that idea so much, do you? How about Romans 8? Just in case you don't want to base your theology upon the book of Acts, which is probably smart, let's go to the
1: epistles. Acts, or Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Verse 16, the Spirit itself
0: beareth witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, period, end the the statement. I don't want to go any further, right? But it goes further, doesn't it? If so be that we suffer with him. I like
1: the reigning part.
0: I'm not so crazy about the suffering part. That's what it says. Suffering's part of the Christian life. Look in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Don't you like these positive messages?
1: 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. This is one that I really wish were a textual variant and I could get rid of it. It's not. 2 Timothy 3, 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall say Christian life's gonna be hard I don't care what culture you're in
0: I don't care where you stand for Christ people will not like you it may not they may not throw stones at you physically but they'll give you the cold shoulder you may you may you may not have to face ostracism from your family I just heard of of, of someone who who got saved, and, and immediately his Muslim family disowned him. That'll happen in some places. It doesn't happen usually in the United States. But my dad said to me, the only thing you can possibly do that would disappoint me is to become a missionary. Now, I was 40-something, and I decided that wasn't the time to tell him that God had called me to the mission field. It happens even in our own families, you see. We don't suffer the same things. People in South Africa, when they leave the ancestors, when they they turn their back to the ancestors, it'll cost them with their families. I don't have that problem, but I have other problems like it. It will cost us to live for Christ. Now go back to Hebrews
1: with me. Let's bring this to a close. It
0: says, Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they may obtain a better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins being destitute, afflicted and tormented now let's be honest more than likely we won't face these particular temptations we won't be facing being stoned we won't be facing being sawn asunder we won't be facing these kinds of persecutions it's unlikely that either you or me living here or in South Africa will face this kind of a
1: situation Some of our brethren in the world are, but most of us won't face this. The temptation of the
0: Hebrew Christians was because of the persecution, because of the difficulties, because of the
1: problems that were coming upon them, to turn around and go back. Not to walk by faith.
0: Not to take God at his word and act upon it. It was
1: safer not to do it. And guess what? It's safer for you and me not to do it either. God's probably not going to call you to this type of persecution. But he may well call you to handle cancer in a Christ-like manner. what would faith do then? How does faith handle cancer? I'm serious here. What does faith say when the doctor says, you've got three months to live?
0: Does faith not say, all things work together for good, and I have a good God, and he knows what's best and though i don't understand the situation i'm going to bow my knee to god
1: and i'm going to say thank you lord for this opportunity to suffer for you but the flesh says why me right and none of us have ever been tempted to do that right faith takes god at his word and acts upon it? Or what if God calls you to a tough marriage situation? The world says, get out. A lot of Christian people say, get out. It would be easier, guess what, it would a lot easier to get out. I mean, all those frustrations,
0: all those difficulties, all that pain, wouldn't it be nice
1: to let it go away? And all I have to do is sign my name. Faith, what? Takes God at his word. What does God say about divorce? Hates it. What are the prohibitions? What are the
0: commandments concerning divorce in in Matthew and in 1 Corinthians?
1: Taking God at his word and acting upon it. And you know what? It may cost you. It may cost you. In fact, under those circumstances, it probably will cost you difficult marriage, keeps going, and going, and going, going, and it never ends, and he never gets saved, it would be a lot easier to just turn around and deny Christ, wouldn't it? I mean, not really
0: deny Christ, I'll just sell the land, I'll just, I'll keep worshiping him, but I'll just get out of this problem, and then I can worship him
1: Easier. I don't
0: know how many times I've heard that one. I'm working with with four different marriage situations here and in South Africa. And I have heard that one in every single instance. If I were out of this relationship, I could serve Christ better.
1: Wrong. Because you'd be in disobedience to God. Take God at his word, no matter what it costs you, and act upon it. That's faith. So let me end where I began. Are we, men and women, young people, faith? Does faith characterize my life and yours? And
0: have you personally trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? If you have any doubts about that, see one of the leaders right afterward and get that one taken care of. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Father, for the examples of faith that we see in your word. We even think of the author and finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who's gone before us. And Lord, be guiding us and leading us. Father, we confess where we have fallen short, but we thank you, Father, that you continue to work in us, both the will and to do of your good pleasure. So, Father, we pray that you would be perfecting us, perfecting our faith
1: in Christ. We Thank you for this time in Jesus' name.